You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Today we have John Kasman, real estate syndicator with amazing journey on raising capital, public speaker, marketing mogul in real estate industry. Please help me to welcome our guest today. How are you, John? Adam, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show today. I am uh, excited to talk to you and all of your listeners about multifamily investing. Thanks a lot. I would like to start with your journey on, on multifamily. What was the um, upside to uh, do the transition to multifamily? So I really started in corporate America. Uh, my mm-hmm. background is in marketing. I spent 15 years doing corporate marketing for brands like Nike, Coors Light, Mountain Dew, General Motors. And uh, really for me, what happened is I was at GM on the client side uh, when we went through that bankruptcy. And it was a really tough time. And I remember that I read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad earlier, Mm -hmm. and it talked about, you know, really the four different types of income. Mm -hmm. And I just realized in that moment, like, you know what, this is why it's important to have another stream of income. And I wanted to start investing in real estate. The only problem for me was I was in Detroit. And at that time, Detroit was one of the hardest hit markets during that last economic recession. So I waited, I ended up moving to Chicago a couple of years later. And when I moved to Chicago, Part of the reason I wanted to live there was I wanted to start investing. And that's exactly what we did. So I started with the house hack where we lived in one unit, rented out the other unit and kind of slowly scaled my portfolio from there, uh, working with my wife. And part of what we ended up doing is getting to the point where we realized we wanted to work with other investors and partner with them on larger deals. And that kind of led us into apartment syndication. So today we've invested in over $120 million worth of apartments. And we are continuing to grow that portfolio and we work with everyday professionals who are looking to get all the benefits of real estate investing without the headaches of being a landlord or a flipper. 100%. So uh, what is the upside of your current market right now? You're working in uh, on Cincinnati, Ohio, or you're always on the North Corridor? Yeah, we're in multiple markets. We do like the Midwest and the Southeast region. So mm. in the Midwest, we're looking for growing markets. So think Indianapolis, think mm. Cincinnati, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Those markets that are seeing great growth is where we kind of focus. And in the Southeast, we like Georgia. I know you like Georgia as well. So we like mm. Georgia, we like the Carolinas, we like Tennessee. So mm. we're looking at markets where uh, there's great growth. There's a lot of upside potential, uh, but it's still affordable. And I think that's a really important thing right now, because some of these markets are growing tremendously, but it's starting to get to the point where the residents can't really afford the rents that are that are being asked of them. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's interesting. I was just in Charlotte and our Uber driver, our Uber driver told us that her daughter um, had a rental increase of over a thousand dollars of her apartment. And it's just ridiculous. She was paying $1,800. They now want her to pay $2,800. So now I don't know where she stays or any of the financials there. But I think it just goes to show that, hey, you know, if you're pushing rents that drastically, at a certain point, you're going to, you know, really outpace what renters can afford. And now you start to create a kind of a different dynamic. So uh, anyway, we like to find markets where there's still a lot of affordability, but we can implement our business plan. And quite frankly, if the market fluctuates, as the market fluctuates, we still feel confident that we're going to be able to move forward with our business plan. 100%. I, I think one of the things here you mentioned is 
as an affordable market. So you mentioned Tennessee, you mentioned um, uh, Georgia. The only thing I, I uh, like scared me about um, some of the market is uh, there's no balance between the cash flow and the appreciation. For example, Memphis, uh, it's been appreciated in the last 12 years only for 40%. Uh, on the other end, you can find Cincinnati, Ohio, appreciated more than 100% on the last 10 years. So what is your preference when you're looking? You're looking on cash flow, you're looking on a balance between appreciation and cash flow. What are you looking for? We're looking for both because at the end of the day, we want to live on cash flow. And I think cash flow is really important because with cash flow provides options. Right. If you have a cash flowing property, you can hold that property as long as you want to hold it. Yeah. Now, if you're only banking on appreciation, I know people who invest in, say, Seattle and they yeah. invest with a strategy to buy a property. They assume it's going to appreciate in value over the next two to three years. Yeah. And when it does, that's no cash out, no sell. But they're operating at either a deficit or they're barely breaking even during that time frame. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just creates more risk. You know, if you're running a deal and you're not cash flowing out of the gate, you now have kind of a risky endeavor where you're playing this game where you're hoping that at some point in the future, either this property cash flows or the value of the property has gone up so much that you can sell it for a profit. And that's just not the way we like to invest. So we are looking for cash flow first and foremost, but we do want that appreciation upside. We are not investing in markets that only offer cash flow because the big bump in real estate, particularly with apartment investing, that big bump is going to come from some, some form of appreciation. So I do think that's important as well. So we look for markets that have a nice blend. And that's why, again, I mentioned Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Louisville, mm -hmm. Kentucky, there are mm -hmm. markets in Georgia, there are markets in Tennessee, but mm -hmm. not necessarily, I mean, we don't necessarily invest in Memphis. I don't know the Memphis market that well. Okay. Um, I don't invest in Detroit. Detroit's a fine market if you like cash flow, but for us, we want that appreciation potential as well. So we're looking for that blend of both. 100%. Uh, my next question will be about uh, what is the impact of your marketing background on your real estate career? Well, it's business. And it, it took mm -hmm. me a while to realize that just like anything else, real estate is a business and every business has really the same components. Mm -hmm. You've got operations, you have sales and marketing, you have HR, you know, you have product or product development, uh, and you have finance. So for us, when I really realized that Real estate was strongly dependent on sales and marketing as well. Think about you know acquisitions and getting deal flow, mm -hmm. uh, as well as working with investors and raising capital for deals. Yeah. A lot of those things rely on the same skills that I developed over the last 15 years. And I think what's really important for all your listeners to understand is if you want to be an active investor and maybe you're new or starting out or just getting some traction, you may have some transferable skills that can work really well when it comes to real estate investing. If you've got a finance background, accounting, an audit background, that plays really well when it comes to underwriting or due diligence. You know, if you have a background in HR, human resources, uh, operations, well, that could play really well when it comes to building a team or operations. So uh, project management. So a lot of these skills do transfer, but you have to understand where you need to supplement that experience because ultimately you do want people around you who have that experience when it comes to construction when it comes to understanding how to operate a property when it comes to managing a property management company and overall managing the asset you definitely want people on your team who have that experience and the great thing about this 
is it really is a team sport and you can find people who can supplement any areas where maybe you're not as strong or you can get a coach or a mentor who may be able to help guide you through some of those things as well. So uh, regarding the, the part of the team, uh, what was uh, for you the point help you to scale, start to really understand how to scale your portfolio and help you to scale your portfolio? I think one of them is, um, as you mentioned, is, is not a, 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 is not, it's, it's, it's a team sport. You cannot work alone on, on, on syndication. So what was the actual action you did help you to scale your portfolio significantly? Well, there are a few things. One is mindset completely. You know, in the beginning, I was focused on what I could do along with my wife. So what we had, what I could underwrite, what she could go look at, you know, what we could do is what we would do. Yeah. And when you limit yourself like that, you limit the opportunities. I have to yeah. see how much money I have in my bank account, right? If I don't have X amount of dollars sitting in the bank account, well, I'm not going to look at a property that requires more equity up front. Yeah. So that was one thing is just changing the mindset to say, you know what? we can be open to collaboration. We can be open to partnerships and working with other people. And then I think it comes to making sure you have the right resources around you. Um, we knew raising capital would be a big component of mm. how we would need to grow because we had limited resources ourselves. Mm. So for me, I tapped into my marketing background and that kind of helped me a little bit. But I would say the biggest thing is something that I tell everyone who's looking to raise capital for deals, and it's really the three C's to attract capital. And I say attract capital, not raise capital for a reason. You know, raising capital kind of implies that you're picking up the phone and you're calling anybody and everybody you ever met. And you're hoping that they want to invest in one of your deals. Attracting capital, on the other hand, is when people reach out to you to say, hey, I would love to learn more about what you're doing and see if I might be a fit to invest in your deals. Mm -hmm. And that's a way easier position for you to be in if people are actively reaching out to you, then you're actively reaching out to them. So in marketing, we call it a push or pull strategy. You know, it's better if someone walks into your store wanting to buy something as opposed to you standing on the corner, you know, trying to hand out free samples, trying to get people into your, your business, right? So with the three C's, the first one is going to be confidence. Mm -hmm. And that comes from preparation. You know, you've got to do your homework. You've got to be educated. You have to understand what you're looking at when it comes to these deals. The second C is going to be credibility. Mm -hmm. So what experience do you have? If it's not directly in apartment investing, what, you know, transferable skills do you have? And what other wins do you have from related businesses that apply here? Who else are you partnering with? What experiences do they have? Do you have partners? Do you have coaches, mentors? Do you have a property management team? But why should we feel good that you're a credible person to go out there and do these deals? Mm -hmm. And then a third is going to be connections. Who do you know? Who's in your network? And how are you expanding that network to people who would want to do business with you? Focusing on those three C's makes it much easier to attract capital for deals. 100%. I think one of the main issues when you're dealing with um, marketing and raising capital is how to handle objections. So can you tell us one of uh, cases when you have really a fun conversation with an investor and how you handle objection? Well, uh, every objection is going to be different, but I would mm -hmm. tell you that they fall into a couple of different buckets, right? Mm -hmm. So the buckets are someone may not believe in real estate. You know, yeah. this is someone who maybe they invested in a single family house before it went terribly wrong. They lost money. So they don't want to invest in real estate. So you yeah. might encounter this person. Right. And what do you say to someone who has already tried real estate and failed at it? They don't believe in this thing. Right. Hmm. Well, part of what you do is you have to understand 
why they failed. And you got to be a bit gentle here, but you want to understand what's different about the way you're approaching it. Maybe the reason they failed is they were a doctor or an engineer or, hmm. you know, worked in corporate America. So I did a full-time demanding job and they were trying to do this as a little side hustle, right? A little hmm. side hobby. And they didn't have full-time staff that was overseeing the property. Hmm. You know, maybe they did the inspection and they did the due diligence themselves and they didn't bring on, you know, uh, qualified trained professionals to handle these things. Maybe they just have a handyman <coughs> who's fixing stuff up as opposed to having kind of a real team of people who are overseeing these things. So that may be part of the reason they failed. What was their screening process? All these different things. So in our case, it's understanding the difference. I talked earlier about we help people invest in real estate without the hassles of being a landlord or the headaches of being a rehabber. Well, what does that mean? Well, we have a professional team. We're able to oversee the deals. We can hire property management. We have our team that we oversee on all these things. And that makes it much easier for us to manage these things because it's professional. We have professional people who are dedicated to running these deals. And because these are larger apartment buildings, you have that professionalism, but there's also a budget. There's money aside to plan for these things. We are paying these people. So it's a nice ecosystem of money versus when you buy something for yourself, a lot of people see any dollar they spend as a dollar that doesn't go into their pocket. Mm. So they're not willing to pay that better contractor because paying that contractor a little bit more money in their mind is money that they lose. And we all want to find savings, but you also want to find quality people who are qualified to do the work the right way. Mm. Because hiring somebody who maybe is less qualified, it typically ends up costing you more money in the long run anyway. So it's little things like that. It's understanding why someone maybe is reluctant, maybe helping them understand why something they did didn't work out and what makes it different with the way you approach it. 100%. I think the current uh, subject right now on the whole market on the last four years, four months is uh, the inflation and uh, the interest rate spike and the federal uh, raise on, uh, rise of uh, the interest rate. So how you see uh, the impact of, uh, of uh, the interest rate on your current market right now? You know, interest rates are impacting everybody. And one of the things for us is, you know, I think the first thing to look at is, you know, interest rates are kind of going back to a level they were a few years ago. So it's yeah. not a drastic, unprecedented level of interest rate, right? They're kind of just going back to where they were in the 2016 to 2018 timeframe. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we're seeing here is that it is starting to slow down some of the interest from some investors and it's creating opportunity. You know, if you've been, you know, buying over the last couple of years, I'm sure you've had a lot of competition when you've went okay. to put in offers on deals. And what it's doing is starting to level the playing field a little bit. You know, some of the cheap money that was really highly leveraged on their deals, meaning they were trying to take advantage of the low interest rates. Well, now we can take a look at the deals and actually buy the deals based on their real valuation, as opposed to, you know, just buying it because the interest rates at 3%. Right. So I, I think it's actually helping in a way. Um, and I would tell you that there's opportunities in every market. I think you just want to make sure you are smart and strategic about how you mitigate risk. And for us, that comes down to our business plan, making sure we are well capitalized. So we've got plenty of capital set aside to handle our business plan. But also, if interest rates continue to rise, that we are prepared. You know, and I know some folks want to do fixed debt. Uh, some may want to do rate caps, interest rate caps. Um, I'm not going to say which way is the right way, but you just want to make sure your business plan matches what you're actually doing for the property of that loan. So right now, with, uh, with the slowing down of the 
deals pipeline do you see that in your market the, the sellers start to understand that they have to give up a little bit uh, all the prices and to be more uh, cooperative about the new prices or still the uh, price is high so it, de it depends right because part of it is understanding this a lot of sellers don't have to sell yeah right so they're not even sellers they're owners they're mm. sellers if they get a great offer mm. but they're owners so part of it is understanding and this varies by market but some groups absolutely have to sell it's part of their business plan or they have a bridge loan and this is their intention so yes those groups have to sell mm. but if you're going direct to an owner who's owned a property for 20 years mm. uh, that person doesn't have to sell if they don't get their number right yeah, yeah, they probably paid off or they have minimal debt on there so they don't have to sell so that person isn't necessarily inclined to take a lower dollar amount just because uh, the market is shifting a little bit. Now, yeah. I will say that they're not getting those outrageous offers. And I talked about leveling the playing field because in the past, you might have a property and there's 10 or 15 offers that they get. And some of them are hard money day one, you know, $200,000 hard day one. And that's the offer, no financing contingency. And it's an easy deal for an owner to look at and say, oh, this is great. I'm going to take that deal. Mm. Well, you're not seeing as many of those deals right now. So now mm. owners can step back. They can still get a pretty good deal, but maybe it's not the 15 offers where they can make these, these strong demands to buyers and ask for terms that are less favorable for that buyer. Mm. Uh, yeah, it makes sense right now with inflation is driving every market is uh, on the same, I think, scenario. I think um, my next question will be about uh, your, uh, if you can tell us about your largest deal so far, how, how you got the deal, um, what was the upside about the deal? Um, uh, what was the strategy if it's a burr or regular buy and hold? So, yeah, so I mean, we've done multiple deals as far as largest. I mean, many of them are pretty similar in size. Hmm. Uh, I think what may be more relevant to your audience is kind of uh, the last couple deals we've done. So, we, we just closed on 132 units here in the Cincinnati market just last week, hmm. and we're super excited for this deal. Uh, this is one where a lot of the interiors have already been renovated, hmm. uh, but the exteriors uh, have not. And there's actually an ability to add more amenities to this property. So we're partnering with a good friend of mine uh, based out of Indianapolis. I'm local here. And since he, the property is actually just 20 minutes away from my house. So hmm. it's a great way for us to partner up on this deal. And we're excited to go in, implement our business plan, and then bring that back to the market. The deal we did just before that at the end of last year was 104 units out of Louisville, Kentucky, newer construction property, 2019 built. And this is a property that we were able to assume the existing debt. So it was a 3.2% interest rate on this property. Uh, it's got 10 years left on it. So we were super excited to assume the debt here. We think it's really attractive for a new buyer. And we also think a new buyer can add a supplemental loan at some point down the road. So it really does come down to the business plan. And we try not to walk around and say, we only do this. I certainly like a similar type of property. We like stuff built in 1990s or newer. Uh, mm -hmm. We like properties that are, you know, 75 units and up. We like the markets that we talked about before. But as far as the right business plan, the right play, the right loan for that, that property, it really depends on what's going on at that property and what we need to do and where the opportunity really lies. 100%. So what was the purchase price for the lost property? 
So that one was around 17 million. And the one we did uh, last year was 12 million. Okay. And uh, you mentioned the number of units, 132, uh, 133, correct? 132, so yeah. Yeah, it's almost 140 per door. Uh, no less. 130 per door, something like that? Yeah, about 132 a door is where we're oh, at. Okay, okay. So the, um, the, as you mentioned, the main renovation will be the actual exterior. So the plan is to do an re actual burr and refinance the, the property eventually. Yeah, we don't necessarily call it a burr, but yeah, the plan is to go in there, finish up the renovations with the exteriors at the amenities, and then we have two options. You know, we can put it back on the market hmm. or we can refinance and hold on to the property longer term. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You mentioned something interesting that you still looking for active partners. So when you're looking for an active partner with you, what you're looking for? Um. So when I say looking for an active partner, I, I guess it kind of depends. You know, we want to find someone who's like-minded. Um, we are very slow to partner. Hmm. Uh, so we like to get to know people over an extended period of time. Uh, the one, the deal we just did, I've known that partner for at least four years. Hmm. We've sat down, we've had lunch, we've had dinners, we've talked about the business, we've looked at deals together. We've done all this together for, for years hmm. and we kind of understand the way each other thinks. We understand the way, you know, we both look at the market. Uh, we like a lot of the same things. Um, but he's got a different skill set than, than what I have. Hmm. And that makes us kind of good partners on that deal. But typically I'm looking for something that can be more organic and grow over time. You know, we want to get to know people. And for us, investors are kind of trusting our judgment here. You know, hmm. uh, we tell them all to look at the deal and they have to make their decisions based on their own merit, but they are leaning towards us to have a sense of, all right, how do you know this guy? What's his relationship? What's his like working with him? And vice versa. I'm sure other people are looking at it when they come across us or come across our deals and they want to ask the same questions. So we are trying to make sure that first and foremost, we're partnering with people who are of high character, hmm. um, high character. They're going to do what they say they're going to do. They're approachable. They're reachable. Um, they communicate well. So we reach out to them. We're going to get, we're going to get a response because there may be questions that investor has that we want to make sure we can get or questions we have. And we need to get those answers. So that's something that we look for. But ultimately, we want to make sure we're partnering with people who have the knowledge, the experience, the mindset, but also the ability to do the right thing and make sure they can find and operate great deals. As you mentioned, I think one of the main thing is complete your skill set. You're looking for someone can cover some sort of a weakness on the other partner so both of you can complete each other. So I think this is the main thing when you're looking for uh, partnership. Uh, of course, the credibility is the knowledge, but also you're looking for someone he's good in, like, for example, you're good in marketing, he's good in underwriting and so on. So I think this is one of the best partnership you're going to do is complete your, uh, your skill set as a team. Uh, I think my, my next question will be about mentorship uh, and being a mentor and at the same time to follow up with mentor. What was an um, influential mentor in real estate career so far? Yeah, I mean, from a real estate standpoint, you know, I worked with uh, Joe Fairless when I first broke into, you know, oh. the apartment syndication space. And oh. I met Joe some years ago, and uh, he's another Cincinnati guy. So we had a chance oh. to get to know each other and connect. And he had his podcast. And I was fortunate to be a guest on his show oh. and get to know him a little bit better as well. And really watch what he was doing. You know, he had his coaching program and signed up as a part of it. And for me, it came down to this. 
I felt pretty good in what I was doing. I had built a one and a half million dollar personal portfolio at that point, mm. but it wasn't the financial freedom. It wasn't all the passive income that mm. I was looking for. So I knew what I was doing was working, but I wasn't necessarily being efficient. And having someone in my corner who has some experience raising money and structuring these kind of deals and answering the questions that I still had, that was really vital to me. So it made sense for me to partner and kind of bring on a coach at that time. And then watching the growth that he went through made me realize, okay, this syndication thing is big and the podcasting is big and some of the marketing stuff was big. And Joe also had a marketing background. He worked yeah. at an advertising agency. Yeah. I was working at an advertising agency at the time. So it made it really tangible for me that if he could do it, I could probably do it as well. Um, and, and that's really what got me going. And we now coach other people as well, because I think one of the challenges that people face is it's hard to find programs that are kind of affordable, that really help them get the, the knowledge and education they need. So you can do some of these different masterminds, uh, but maybe they're $25,000, $30,000, whatever it is, uh, but maybe they're not getting kind of the um, the education or the one-on-one that they're really looking for. And if they are, they're not getting it with the personality that they've grown to know. They're getting it with someone else in the organization. So for us, we kind of have a, a smaller program. It's more boutique style, but we do work with one-on-one -on -one clients. We do a kind of online course. We do one-on-one -on -one calls. We do a monthly mastermind call as well. And we try to help people as much as we can. And a lot of what we do is geared towards helping them become better at attracting capital for deals, but also learning the basics when it comes to underwriting, what we look for, how to get really sharp when it comes to underwriting deals and making sure that they're positioning themselves and their investors for long-term success. 100%, 100 uh, I think um, my last question would be how the people can follow your success online how the people can reach you yeah i mean for one you know we host a podcast called multifamily insights it's the number one rated multifamily podcast available anywhere you check out shows so you can definitely check us out there in addition we have a sample deal so whether you want to be active or passive i find it as a great tool for you to just wrap your head around the kind of information you should be looking for or including when you are looking at deals. Hmm. So if you go to kasmancapital.com slash sample deal, you hmm. can download that package there and you'll also get on our newsletter. So you get free updates from us and get a little bit more education as far as what we're working on. Thanks lots for your time today. And we're really happy to bring you again to the show. And thank you for your time today with us. It was really a good uh, opportunity to have more insight about your market, your success. And again, I appreciate you taking the time. Adam, thank you for having me. Uh, it was great talking to you as well. And we hope you have a great day and enjoy the rest of your time. Thanks a lot.